0: Young black young black a young black 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 equestrian 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 black equestrian Equestrian Black Equestrian Equestrian Black Equestrian I'm a young black equestrian
1: I am a young black equestrian
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of young black equestrians on our episode today we have gigi gerardo how are you doing
1: today i'm doing great good 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 happy to be here
0: yes we are so happy to have you and we are so happy to be able to reach a community that is also marginalized and discuss how they go together so we're excited about that today. Uh, we have been starting our episodes off with sharing something that we are thankful for today. So if you want to go ahead and start and share something that you are thankful for.
1: Oh, I am just happy to be sitting right here. I think of the families that are hurting and and you know, people going through different things. And I'm sitting here healthy, happy with good people, I don't take things for granted. I never do. Yeah, yeah. What are you thankful for?
2: Um, We got a truck for (laughs) Saddle Up and Read this week, so I'm extremely, extremely thankful for that.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um, I would say that I am thankful for the fact that we are on season four. Like we, I mean, last year, we couldn't have even imagined what we have, I'm moving this over here, everything we've got going on, you know, we, we didn't even imagine that it would, um, be this successful and we'd be able to reach so many people. So we are so, I'm so thankful. We're so thankful that we are headed into season four and just, I'm excited for what is to come and the list of people that we have to talk to. So that is what I'm thankful for.
1: That's great, (laughs) that's great.
0: So Gigi, tell us uh, briefly about yourself, where you're located, the horses you ride, all that.
1: Okay, well, horses are are just a peaceful thing for me. I'm a lot older than you. And so uh, my experience goes way back um, I live in Austin, Texas now. M- lived in many cities, and any city I've lived in, I've where do I go ride? Mm-hmm. It's always been a thing, you know. Always owned a horse, one way or the other, you know. Uh, it, whether leasing or whatever, I always had to be around a horse. It was it was that passion. Introduced early in Girl Scout camp and uh i remember that first ride and they they it's almost like being by a swimming pool and they throw you in they put me on a horse and hit the horse and i was gone <laughs> um it's a wonder i ever got back on a horse again all right that was that was unnerving it was a horrible experience but at the same time there's not a horse that scares me it's, I, Maybe it was for the better. I don't know. I don't recommend that. <laughs> but that was my first experience. I used to go to camp every, every summer. And um, they had, you know, you get off the horse and you go canoeing and all the rest of that. So that was the experience. Grateful to my parents for doing that. Now, you know, have a horse and uh, it's a lot different i I'm, I'm a lot older, like I keep telling you. Just turned 61 this year. Wow. And I, nowadays, my enjoyment, I could take an hour and just ride in the trees and think that I ran for, you know, it, it, the passion has changed. I'm one with the horse, I'm gliding,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Got my earphones in. Listening to a little Snoop, not (laughs) (laughs) teasing. My kids tease me, but I, you know, whatever it is I'm listening to, I just and just gliding. Yeah. Well,
0: since you said, since you use the word gliding, what Mm -hmm. kind of horses are you riding?
1: Well, I have an Arabian uh, now, and and that's a good question because. Of course, when you first get started, there's no one going to give you a top horse. When you're at the camp, you're getting old Betty (laughs) that barely can (laughs) walk, you know, looking at you like, what? You know, so and then you're growing and growing and growing. And um, I've had Tennessee Walkers, which was my favorite. I'll tell you a little story about that. And then um, Arabians, I was introduced to later, and the first one I got was it was a stallion, and I had him gelded, but they must have proud cut, so you know he still thought he was a stallion. So it was like, oh man, he, he had that energy, you know. But then I fell in love with them because they still had the energy. And they're endurance horses, and they can ride the heat. I was in California, and now I'm in Texas. Another Arabian is fitting here that they're not going to sweat all down and whatnot, and I can be out for a while. But the Tennessee Walker, the first horse I bought, I, they told me to show up at an office. And I thought that was kind of weird. And they said, this is the number for the horse. So I go in, walk in the office. It was a divorce proceeding. And they were both on the other side of the table with their lawyers and they were dividing things. So when you arrived, you said what you were there for. I sat there while they argued with each other about who gets what. By the time it was over, I got a Thousand that that horse was worth a lot of money, like five hundred dollars and all the tack. Cause they sat there just going at each. I didn't like that. You didn't like me anyway. And, and I'm I'm like this, and I walked out and I'm like, what happened? And so, but the thing is, my first experience with a Tennessee Walker, as you know, very different. Wasn't used to the gate. Wasn't you? You know, and I, I was. It was very awkward. And even though I. Had experience. Every horse is learning something different. The uh, little funny story there: a divorce horse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? For five hundred dollars plus his tack, I mean, I think you ended up the better, better half of the deal.
1: You should have seen the tack. I mean, it's a little, you know, rich family, and. <laughs> I mean, they're arguing about when you gave me that saddle and you didn't like me, you know, not, I I was just amazed. But the key is, and the interesting part of that story is that from then on, I've looked for things like that. Mm-hmm. People got to move. Mm-hmm. People got to leave their pets. You, you just don't take a horse to SPCA. Right. <laughs> Drop it off like a dog or a cat. You know, so there are always scenarios, and I tell this for young families, you know, you, you know, before you invest all that money, look for the opportunities, befriend a stable, understand what's going on, a family, in the service, an army, you've got to move overseas. They're not going to be sitting there trying to bargain with you. They gotta move
0: they gotta move yeah yeah
1: you know? and most uh, nine out of ten times i've gotten a great a great deal yeah
0: that's cool so how has having horses affected your life
1: tremendously uh i'll talk about health first uh, unfortunately as a little kid from three years old i was hit with cancer and uh And and I say that because uh, my my parents were very instrumental in not making me feel sorry for myself. They had me up and going. I wouldn't have known uh, I've had challenges because that was their thing. Let's go. And so they got me involved in things. But the treatment left a severe scoliosis in my back. And And I wore back braces and all types of stuff but horseback riding always made my back because there was medicine, they everything. But see, when you're riding with that horse, you, you think about that movement mm-hmm. and the feeling, and you understand why they use it for special needs kids, mm-hmm. because that movement is better than any pill I can take. And, and backaches and things that I come down with, I'll go over to a horse because that walk, and that's a lot of times why I'm not in a saddle nowadays, I'm bareback pad, and because the closer I am to the horse and as I grip with my legs, and if you could just move, I recommend teaching children this anyway, because they need to understand the feel of the horse and their legs have got to be able to feel and tell the horse what they want to do. It's very hard in a saddle when you first start,
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I can let go of the reins and just use my legs,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and guide that horse to what I got to do. So health-wise, it's been tremendous, mm-hmm. tremendous, it's a big help. As far as everything else, this is, I ride and like horse and look at the deer and everything else and it's just a peacefulness. I mean, look what's happening right now. My, comp- my system is very compromised. Uh, because of that young time, and the doctor told me, I've been in the house since March, and so finally I said, well, can I go out and ride? He said, he said, you know what? I trust horses more than people. He huh? said, absolutely, just make sure when you go, clean the saddle, the reins, everything, Anybody might think somebody t- wipe the horse down because you don't know, you know, people get out their cars. You ever get out your car, you ride by, know a farm you get out and you go pet the horse or you know you never know what exposure to the horse has been around right so um he allowed me to go back to riding and every weekend there i am just sitting there instead of people yeah yeah
0: hanging out with the horses so how did you get into I guess dealing with or being around the deaf and hard of hearing community. Right. Uh,
1: funny story. Twenty years ago, I start. I went back. I, I went back to school, college, and um, I'm like, I'm raising three children. They want me to do a foreign language. I'm trying to get out into the work field. Going after my BA. I'm going to take the easiest foreign language requirement I can. And I said, oh, sign language. Uh, no. (laughs) It is is equivalent, they say, uh, to, you know, they have different levels of foreign language, Mm -hmm. Spanish, French, kind of on stage one and think of sign language as stage two. It is up there. It's very intense and, uh, very detailed and so uh i didn't know this and so as i'm taking it i start to like it so i go past the two years and i kept going but then i graduated and the first group that called for me was disney world i was in orlando and i went to work with them under administration and just kind of left left that alone okay 20 years later I said, that was one of my passions. I'm gonna finish what I started. I enrolled into the interpreter program and got back into it. Now, it's important to fill in that gap because in between time, I was always, I didn't see a deaf person I was signing with them, but there's something they call deaf pity, thinking that deaf people need to be fixed. Okay, now I'm gonna tell you, Think about not providing an interpreter right now. And I, I open this up to deaf people to watch. It's the same as if I took your volume away. Mm -hmm. So if you think of it that way, then people would automatically say, you know what? It's just an access problem. They need access. Like we need it. We turn that up. You know we get frustrated when not nah, because we can't communicate same thing right so uh i picked up my passion again but this time i learned more about the deaf culture the first time i was learning signs and signing songs thought i was doing something <laughs> people were like oh that's so cute <laughs> you know your parents your parents were like my daughter can sign get on the- you know how you, your parents push you or your dance. That dance. Do and so my parent, my mom, dad, but my, my everybody's like, go up there, show But I really wasn't understanding the deaf culture. So if you equate that to when you're talking to a white person and you're trying you you don't understand why they don't understand our struggle. They're not black. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, can they be sensitive? Yes. Can we be sensitive to the deaf community? Yes. Do I want a white person pitying me? No. Same thing. Just understand, so we're right here. So it's the same thing with the deaf community. It's just understanding. Um, Then I started seeing another area uh, Where is a deaf person going to ride? You go to a horseback riding stable, and if they don't have any knowledge, then it's like, you know, so you're on a horse. I'll give you an example. So you're trailing a horse, Okay, You got all these people behind you. And somebody's horse, like, tries to take off. So the leader is like, pull the reins, you know? Ho, come back around. What are you going to do? I mean, what do you know to do? You don't. So what I've been introduced, especially with the group, I got to give them a shout out because they have just been wonderful. Bella Pellegrino Ranch here in Austin. What they have done is, um, you know, you will have that leader, but then the other person can, you know, ride down the line and make sure everybody's fine. Somebody needs to communicate with somebody Mm -hmm. then you can't. So there's always something you can do. You just don't quit. Um, So that means, like I was telling you, you open up to a whole new audience and nine out of 10 times what I've seen is that Deaf community will be loyal when they know that you understand, not pity. Right. You understand. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, have families come out and uh, give education. I mean, you always have a pen and paper, right? You can always get a pen and paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that is, the communication is always an opportunity, just because you just don't know sign language. And, you know, it becomes, um, it becomes a passion, just like the horses. So blending the two became natural. Uh, as we were talking with the interpreter there, Eric, who was telling us that it's the same struggle, you know, is in the horse world, is exposure, so it's easy to understand.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I
1: was young, I used to go to stables and the treatment from, uh, uh, you know, little white, privileged young ladies who got ponies for their birthday, you know, and I didn't have the fancy tack and all that. Mm -hmm. but the treatment was horrendous Mm -hmm. okay i felt like the outsider you know i was always in the back i was always you know it was always like that right um and so having that sensitivity especially with the deaf community i understand Mm -hmm. i really understand later i got you know my children my my daughter my oldest daughter took to it my middle daughter's like "Mm -mm." (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, my son loved too, but my first daughter, she would, uh, basically live at the stable. I mean, it was in her blood too, mm-hmm. but, uh, exposure. exposure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of times, um, when we're talking to like people who work with therapeutic riding stables programs, whatever we we often talk about how, how we have this understanding that there's an expectation of nonverbal communication with our horses. Um, I have a friend who um, teaches autistic kids in the school system. And we often talk about how, you know, just the different ways to communicate. It's not It's not really that one is, harder than the other it's that you kind of just have to be creative with it um and kind of have that expectation or or understanding like this person understands differently this horse understands differently so it's it's interesting you know when people are like oh you know i don't get it i don't get it and it's like well you ride a horse you know how do you communicate with that horse to get it to understand what you're trying to say So um, in in speaking with, as you were talking, it kind of made me think of that, you know, just having that, the concept of nonverbal communication is not unheard of in the horse community. That is exactly what people train to do. So including or creating a space for inclusivity for deaf and hard of hearing people isn't that far off.
1: Yeah, I used to teach uh, special needs kids at stables.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, it really wasn't teaching, I'm gonna say, because it was more like monitoring safety because mm-hmm. it was placing them on the course and letting them have that feel. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, you you know, their faces mm-hmm. in their whole body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And just the movement, nonverbal. You ever notice that the more experienced you are, the more you shut up <laughs> when you're writing? The more you shut up. You don't sh- want to talk to anybody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're just like chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When I was young, uh, you know, because I was a little discouraged because of at the stable, uh, how they would treat me, I found uh, a jockey camp. So, I went for one summer, I said, I'm going to be a jockey. I'm five two, hundred pounds, you know, perfect, right? <laughs> that was a whole nother world. But at the same time, um, uh, you know, Blacks started that. when uh, When money became the issue, then that was quickly taken to other cultures. Mm-hmm. But we were... The people they put on the horse back then mm-hmm. and had more experience. So we were a natural way back that you right. don't see those pictures and you don't see those early Kentucky Derby shots when they were all black,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: jockeys mm-hmm. yeah. there. But yeah, boy, I was, I was going to be a jockey. I got all the, ge- you know, i get all the gear and stuff. Man, that first couple of times and that horse met rounding, okay i was like uh uh no (laughs) (laughs) give me to the finish oh oh my goodness the the unnerving the the speed the speed Mm -hmm. is just something you know it's like being in a race car you are flying and it's not a glide and it's not a canter it's not a gallop it is just a, a one speed yeah it is it, and so you're balancing and of course that's why they're cropping they call it and so you're, you everything is i'm just amazed every time i watch a horse race mm. I'm, I'm amazed how they stay on because now that i know i'm like you know i need a little clip you <laughs> hold me down oh, no.
0: I always yeah. get so anxious. I would be afraid like my horse trips a lot. Like I came off just cantering when he tripped. And I'm like, those race horses, like you get one foot clip the other, there's a piece of dirt that's too big, like something. That horse could trip and it could be over for everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy to be.
1: The life of a jockey too now is, is not pretty. I mean, uh, unfortunately, you can compare it sometimes. I, I hope that we start uh, doing better. But the life of a of a jockey to be on top, you know. Unfortunately, you have those who might purge and everything else to stay a certain weight mm-hmm. uh, to do certain. You know, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. So. Hopefully that changes and and hopefully we start seeing more black jockeys out there. You know, I'm I'm waiting. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: So what do you what is your kind of ultimate goal? I mean, you've done so much with horses in your lifetime. What is your goal at this point? To be a jockey. No, I'm
1: kidding. (laughs) (laughs) The look on your face like (laughs) that. <laughs> no, <laughs> the sign language for no, <laughs> no, my goal right now, I, I think at this point, is just exposure. I got two grandchildren now, you know, my biggest thing for kids is to expose them, not to get them on a the horse right away, but the size, mm-hmm. okay, so you're going like this, and if the first time, well, think about it. For kids who don't have exposure to animals, what do they see? They go to the zoo, there's a gate. So there's a teaching that, okay? And that thing can hurt you, okay? So to expose kids, but first you gotta get them to come and understand and the proper uh, way to be around the horse. And, And here's the other thing. What about parts of the horse, you know? uh by scratch right here what does that feel like just like a dog you know where to scratch to get them to you know go crazy mm-hmm. but where and, and how to take care of a horse i mean these are things when i go ride I, I don't know about you two but when i go ride uh i at least 30 to 45 minutes are, uh, grooming because it relaxes me mm-hmm. not because i gotta get the horse ready i'm not uh, after a while, you know, I'm not trying to be in a show or something. Right. Just that feeling. Mm-hmm. So exposure for people who haven't received it. And so when, when that uh, that video went viral, like 20, 30,000 people watching it, and, and a lot in the deaf community, I, I never thought twice about it. I mean, I was just signing on a horse. But then it dawned on me, well, Disposure has not been really given, or I shouldn't say that because I don't know that, but I will say that you just don't see a lot of exposure in the deaf community of even, uh, what what's this famous guy, Anderson, who's always doing the teaching of uh, Karen, Clint Anderson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why can't there be you know, uh, uh, Clint Anderson doing signing or death. I mean they do uh, they do the same stuff we do. Mm-hmm. There's nothing broken. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's not like uh, it's a wheelchair situation and you gotta <laughs> just get up and get on a horse. Right. Okay? So it it is the exposure. So I saw what was lacking and I said, you know what? Bing when you get those ideas, those aha moments, bing! Mm-hmm. Disposure. And, and I think that when we were starting at the beginning talking, we were we were talking kind of about those aha moments where you found something that was missing and you went with it. There's something for everybody out here. We don't need to compete and fight with everything there's something for everything and then you join with another group and another and then it just grows Mm -hmm. it's a good time to be alive yeah really is
0: we were talking earlier you said you mentioned that there were some things that you had to explain to Eric kind of about the horse about equestrians what what are some of those things that you had to kind of let him know ahead of time And is it because they don't have a sign or like, I don't know what it was. So uh, what, did, what did you have to kind of relate so that this could be successful?
1: Well, number one, the word equestrian, mm-hmm. okay? So uh, it, it's horse riding or rider. So it, here, here's very important to deaf community. The themes are very literal. What you say is what you mean. Eric and I were having a conversation earlier today about idioms, you know, like, uh, what your parents said, you know, go get that switch, or, you know, are you out of your cotton-picking mind? You remember hearing stuff like that? And you couldn't say that, you would have to expand and explain to a deaf person, because cotton-picking mind to them would mean cotton, picking, mind. Okay. So your parents really meant, are you crazy? Right. So you have, you have to expand on things, terms, information that you and I just talk on a regular basis. Okay. And so when you translate that, as far as for interpreters to explain to a deaf person, it's gotta be literal. Uh, and I'll give you another example. Um, you know when when you talk about i think i forgot the example we were oh the word run okay that could be used in so many different ways i'm running late mm-hmm. i'm running to the store you yeah. know that kind of thing two different uses two different signing mm-hmm. but explaining you wouldn't say i'm running you know uh, you wouldn't sign i'm running late you would just pretty much said, I'm late. (laughs) So it's just, you know, vernacular. It's just being able to be literal and direct and having to explain what that person said with all their idioms and give that to the other person. Not unlike any other languages. Let's say I was talking Spanish and they weren't used to our terms, you would have to interpret. You ever heard of a person uh, doing this They'll sit there like, how do I translate that?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You ever heard that? Uh,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So you're there, you say, well, what does that mean? They said in Spanish. And they're like, I don't know how to say it in Mm -hmm. English. Mm -hmm. Same thing. You have to turn it around that it makes sense. So when I had to tell him what an equestrian meant, uh, it's just a horse rider, Okay, That's how simple they keep things yeah we can learn a lot from this <laughs> right, right.
0: Simplicity. so
1: yeah it is sad and uh one thing that uh, misconception a lot of times that when i was talking to the two of you is um this isn't a special needs situation okay it's not like deaf people need you to fix them or do something special for them only thing they need is access to communication, and there's too many ways to provide it. Right. And so bringing the two together, it's it's not even it, it's not even something we would be sitting and discuss five ten years from now. It would just be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now in um, I think it's 50 or more. If you're a company, you have to provide an interpreter if it's requested. But I think the number uh, Eric might shoot me, but. It, it, ten or if you have fewer uh, employees in the state or local communities will provide an interpreter Mm -hmm. for you. So people cannot say, well, I didn't know where to go. You just didn't look. Right. You know, now let's take it one step further. I'm not going to try to get too political. You ever think about a black death mill being stopped by the police? and not being able to use their hands,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. okay? So they, just reaching up, there is now a placard that's in the visor and they can pull it out and say, I'm deaf, you know, but even getting up there. Yeah. So awareness is very important. And and so that's what we're learning in today's world. So on both sides, so awareness to, to Eric. You know, he's he's hard of hearing, very little hearing, and I always get it mixed up in his right ear and deaf in his left, and, you know, so providing com- communication, period. Yeah.
2: Um, I was exposed to the deaf and hard of hearing community because my cousin, my older cousin, he's deaf. and when we didn't have phones i would just write down that's how we communicated with him i didn't learn um sign language but now i am learning because i have a well my cousin but i also have a deaf student in my horsemanship program so it's really interesting because he his parents speak spanish um so he doesn't really know any any words like he knows a little bit but not a lot so Yeah, our first couple of lessons have been interesting.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. It could be as easy as you having a whiteboard out there, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: a dry erase board. (laughs) Now, you know, what you just said about your family is is kind of sad, too, because um, unfortunately, uh, 90% of uh, deaf children, their families don't know Mm -hmm. any sign language and they learn to communicate in their own way but think about uh your cousin come over for thanksgiving you start a conversation and you're like i'll I'll tell you later you know don't worry about it i'll tell you later this is the type of thing that would happen just kind of like go sit over there i'll fill you in later you know or but no one's really being inclusive so what you're doing is like fantastic
2: thank you and he had his sister well fortunately for him his sister and his mother um and his dad they know so when we are together and he's there you know either they will interpret sometimes or we'll just you know um just figure out what we need to do to communicate with him because yeah he's family still <laughs>
1: perfect perfect and like i said it's communication Yeah. You know, and so uh, because a lot of times and some of the misconceptions because, uh, you know, they might go to a deaf school that uh, they got to go to a deaf horseback riding camp. Right, right. right. No, (laughs) it just needs to be somebody who can communicate, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's why I said my hat's off to this stable here because they're willing to go and they know what to do you don't sit there and stare at the interpreter, you know, you don't yell at the deaf person, you know, you don't. and so there's just little etiquette, there's little pieces of etiquette that they take in the, uh, you know, ability to to expand and to gain that knowledge. And that's all we're saying. Yep. That's all we're saying. So, like I said, five, 10 years from now, this won't even be a conversation. It would just be, right. You're going to have five or 10 more students in your class. Cause guess what? he's going to go tell somebody, mm-hmm. come out there with me because they, you know, they'll help us. Yeah. And then you're going to be the only one and then bam. Yeah. And then you're going to introduce the hearing kids. Everybody's going to be joined together. Mm-hmm. So now the hearing kids are exposed and everybody's there. Why? Cause yep. they're passionate for horse. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The deaf stuff goes out the window. The black goes out there. The white, the Spanish, all that doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. The horse. Yeah, yeah. And we always say specifically for seeing representation as as a black person in the horse industry. Like we don't want to be like this this rare commodity. Like ooh, you ooh, we got a black ooh. Like we we want to be so represented that is normal. Like. Right. We want this to be boring. We're not trying to be like out in the open, you know, getting all this attention. We want to be, we want to be so represented that it's boring. We want this to be, I mean, normalized is such a, it has a negative connotation, but we want it to be normal. So I see what you're saying. Like this won't even be a conversation. It'll Mm -hmm. just exist because we know that's what's required.
1: I will say this. Uh, I always still enjoy uh, things that are culturally specific. Mm-hmm. I like still watching uh, things that I know happen in my culture. Mm-hmm. If a white audience enjoys it too, all the better. Mm-hmm. So I still want things to focus. I don't want our our words just to be, like you said, normalized as just one person. Like I told you, this is vegetable soup. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, I'll give you an example. There is a show on uh, YouTube, and this sister, she's deaf, her name, and she has the Riri shirt. R-I-R-I. And I mean, she's animated, and she's just talking, and you know, the whole bit. And so, I, I still want something like that for my culture and to be able to identify. Mm-hmm. So, I still even five, 10 years from now, I want to see you two, you know, at the ranch talking about, horse. course, I want to see somebody like you, like me, okay, right. on that horse. Just like I said, and I'm sure you might have experienced too, I used to go riding or in a show, the only one, the only one. And they would all be gathered and talking with each other. And uh, hey, what about when you go by tack? in all the advertising you ever seen a black person uh in a saddle or have a saddle or reins? buy this one 70 off
0: i yes no we don't see them ever we talk about that so much just representation and marketing it's just so one-sided exactly exactly
1: but they're believe me they know the power of a dollar
0: mm-hmm. and once
1: they start seeing and see the exposure you will you
0: will. <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. You have any more questions for
2: Gigi? Um, it's how you have your hair now. How you always wear your hair is so beautiful.
1: I know. I was <laughs> looking you. at it. every time you turn your head. I'm like, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, you know, black women always have a story. Okay. <laughs> Look, are you really going to ask that? Because next week it could be different. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Right? (laughs) There could be a lot. But because of COVID, to answer your question, because of COVID, yeah. Now, I can pull it up, but let's talk about, um, I'm very safety conscious now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, under the helmet, uh, and please wear a helmet. I'm an experienced writer. I hate the way my pictures might show sometimes with that helmet on, but come on now one bump one at the rock going through a bush and that horse makes a sudden move and the trunk of the tree it's right there
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're gone so a helmet anyway it can come down and i put the helmet on easily that kind of thing but you know as you get older you get those little flashes and stuff suck. So, <laughs> i gotta go up so thank you for that but i usually um low maintenance especially because going to the saddle mm-hmm. and i say going to the saddle but you know what i mean i i always say that i'm going to the saddle it's my little term yeah. in other words i'm going right <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: well that's good that's good well do you have any advice or gems you would like to share for any aspiring equestrians anyone who is looking to get into
1: learning sign language anything you can add well i'm going to add it for both i'm going to say um let's take the sign language first sign language uh like i just said 90 percent of those families they don't have somebody you know they're able to talk to they can communicate but in the family so especially if you have a deaf family member just learn something okay now I'm going to take it a step further. Uh, I'm so glad that schools, even as far as 20 years ago, started including it as being a foreign language requirement. So now you could take that as a foreign language. But more importantly, think about your businesses.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just by doing this, you're going to have so many people coming behind you, especially if you continue to provide an interpreter, they're, they're, they're loyal just like black people are. When we see some black people, when it first started on TV, it was like, Oh, there's some black people on there. And we would go back and watch the Cosby's. Okay. "Ah," You know, so same thing. When you are sensitive to me, I'm going to follow you. So I would say whenever you can be inclusive. And so I just love that you're being inclusive at the stable and getting kids out. My disability, throw that word out, that just need hearing uh, help or support or whatever you want to call it. They need to communicate.
2: Right.
1: That's number, that's number two on that. Now, let's talk about the horse. It's exposure. When you take somebody out, when I'm out, I see so many Black people coming out now. You know, I, I'm, I'm very impressed with how many Blacks I see coming out to ride. You know, they look a little hesitant, you know, it might be their first time and whatnot. But guess what? When they see me out there, we connect. You ever do this? They call it the black glance, right? Mm hmm. You know? (laughs) Right. I got you. Right? (laughs) So, you know, they see me, they're like, oh, and I'm on a horse and I might be doing something. And they're like, and so there's a comfort level. So the exposure of you all doing this, okay? And also any little thing that you do, it's gonna give little kids like, yeah, 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 I can do that, mm-hmm. I can do that. Like Eric was saying, you know, he thought that was what white people did because we weren't readily exposed, but we were. If you, went, if you had any family members down South, you went on a farm. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you went around the horse. We didn't ride like other people rode. We just might get on or led around or whatever. But disposing kids, uh, but the number one thing is is getting them next to the horse so they are not intimidated by the size. Mm -hmm. Once they conquer the size, and forget ponies. I'm sorry, I, I am not a pony person. They got little man complex. All right, they always got to act up, I'm sorry, but the bigger the better, because the you ever heard gentle giant? Mm -hmm. 17 hands, 18 hands, they look massive, but they're the most gentle horse, Mm -hmm. okay? And plus the kid is like, once they conquer that, so going next to him, touching him, but next time coming back out, sitting up there with you, next time with whatever it takes, and then pretty soon won't be any any horse too big for them and that fear just leaves. Yeah, that's fear my <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, all right. Thank you so much to both of you for hopping on our show today. I cannot wait to share this with the YBE community because it's not something that we've covered before. And it it kind of just brings to light, you know, what's needed and what's necessary. So thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Eric, too, for interpreting mm-hmm. uh, that, that that really warms my heart that he decided to come on and, and do that for us. But thank you to you all for reaching out. I, I just love the exposure uh, people are having my kids will love it too because they were by themselves out there too, writing, you know? Yeah. And now to see the exposure is, is wonderful,
0: wonderful. Yeah, all right. Well, you guys have a great rest of your day and we will let you know when the show's gonna air.
1: Okay, and I'll teach you uh, one thing. And, and so this is hello or goodbye when there's plenty of people in the room. Uh-huh. So I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> talk to you later thank you bye bye
0: hey everybody i am sure you have heard us talk about this already but we just wanted to share again og festival is happening september 11th through the 13th it is a virtual trail ride experience We are going to have music, fun, fellowship, prizes, and everything. So please go to network.org slash OG Festival to learn more, learn how you can be a vendor or a sponsor, and learn how you can attend this first of its kind event.